baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Especially if you go to a church service on Christmas Eve, mm. and we used to, this would be the end of the, mm. I've, slowly I've turn the lights a, off. and they midnight would, mass one. It people was so would beautiful. Candle to candles, mm. yeah. yeah. So beautiful. Hard to, uh, hard to keep the tears from flowing during mm-hmm. that one. Uh, we are talking, uh, that is our uh, holiday challenge today, holiday showdown. Yeah. Would you rather participate in a secret Santa at the office or a uh, white elephant? And uh, Texter says, all products have carbon, energy, water, and waste footprint. Many are made of plastic, fossil fuels. We need to stop consuming things that are unwanted and unneeded. Dave, pot me up, please. That was Debbie Downer texting in. <laughs> we get it. Well, you just heard that rendition of Silent Night, and uh, folks uh, all over the country are queuing up the Christmas music this time of year, or the holiday music, if you will. Uh, Jordana, what's that like in your household? Are you guys turning on the holiday music or turning on the Hanukkah music this Yeah, time not of year? so much. Not no. so much with the Hanukkah. I don't think there's, I mean, there's like Adam Sandler's <laughs> Eight Crazy yes. Nights, and of course now there are some renditions, but no, I actually prefer Christmas music. I think... Christmas music is beautiful. I think it's catchy. There are so many options. It puts you just in a good mood. Not that Hanukkah music does, and Hanukkah music is just like, oh shoot, we better think of some fun music. And then some Jews, you know, wrote some something. But it's not like Hanukkah is not a big holiday for us. It's um, at least it's not a religious holiday. Hanukkah exists only in its current incarnation to compete with Christians, i.e., regular people. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, not us. But Regular it's, people. It's Judaism. It's Judaism sprite. Yeah. Uh, compared to our Mountain Dew. There you go. That's that's what it is. It's, it's you know. I mean, there is a story behind it, but like it's oh, sure. like, again, it's not like a big deal for us. So no no Hanukkah music, but I love the Christmas music. My kids will play Christmas music. I love getting in the spirit. I love seeing the lights. Uh, it puts me in a good mood, and God knows we need it with these dreary days. Yeah. I I'll say this. It's so weird because like. This season hits me different every year. Oh, really? Whereas, like, some years I am full into it, like, er, before Thanksgiving, and it's Christmas music all the way. Mm-hmm. And other years I'm just, like, not. Mm, meh. And this one's one of those where it's, like, half an, yeah, you know, I think it has to do with, like, there's doesn't feel like December. The weather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I love Christmas music. I love having it on all the time. You know, hey, Alexa, play some Christmas music. I love it. I feel like we need Christmas so much this year because the world is falling apart and burning around us, yet it's hard to get into that spirit because mm-hmm. there is so much heavy news. Yeah. So I hope we can do better. Like the Vikings, you took a- yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the Vikings. That's heavy. Yeah, that. Uh, high school basketball is underway in most communities across the state. Uh, the South St. Paul Packers, by the way, 1-0. Adam, they beat Holy Angels earlier this week. Go Pack, go. And for the first time this year, a 35-second shot clock will be used in all high school 
basketball games. Adam, is this an improvement yes. on the sport at the high yes, school level? Because I mean, it'd be, you know, um, wait, wait, wait. What was the shot clock before? There was one. no shot. Oh. Didn't have one. Yeah. Which uh, technically, you could just play keep away and yeah. play keep away the whole time, and that yep. doesn't make for it a very exciting game. Yes, the shot clock. It's not like it's some gimmick. It's used by all levels of basketball, and it adds to uh, excitement in the game. So yeah, long overdue. Bravo. I know it costs a little money to buy the clocks and put them in so the players can see it. But, yes, long time coming. Well done, State High School League. Yeah, that. No, absolutely. Just like the pitch clock in in baseball. It sped up the game, and I thought it made it more interesting. It certainly moved it along. And, yeah, I think – That's the point. I absolutely think they should have this, and the kids should adhere to it. And and, um, it's kind of a higher level of play. So I like that. Yeah. Was, look like at your Dan coming with a hot take. Sp- I was going to say, I like, yeah. that's the best sports take I think I've ever had. <laughs> yes. Equating it to the pitch clock. Wow. Bravo. Hey, I can be regular we just, people. We should just end right there and yeah, never do it again. <laughs> I can be couple regular days, people. A couple days off. <laughs> I can be I can one be of you regular. regulars. Yeah. You know, you Christian yeah. sport loving people. I can be regular. <laughs> well, you know, sports, not really a thing for the Jews. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I know you guys don't want to comment on that. I have nothing to add. I have nothing to add. Uh, Rochester's iconic ear of corn water tower could soon become a historic landmark. That's right. The city's Heritage Preservation Commission unanimously approved a motion to designate the water tower as a historic landmark, and the final decision will be up to the city council. It's located in Graham Park and has been a landmark in the city and county since it was erected in 1931. Jordana, you spent a lot of time in Rochester. Have you visited or viewed this iconic ear of corn water tower? I viewed it this morning online. Uh, no, I did never. I, I didn't spend a lot of time outside when I was in Rochester. It was mostly in a hospital. Well, it's tall. Room. You can see it driving by. Mm, I think it should absolutely <laughs> be an historic landmark. Uh, I did see a picture of it. It is adorable. How many ear of corn? What is it? A water tower? Yeah. Do we have? Um, I love it. Everything about the ear of corn and 100% get that designation. We have some great. I'm, I'm sure every state does, mm-hmm. but have some great water towers. Mm-hmm. There used to be a mm-hmm. Twitter account, there might still be, that has just pictures of iconic Minnesota water towers. Mm-hmm. So let's hear them. 651-461-9226. Give us your iconic Minnesota water towers. I'll start. Mm-hmm. Pequot Lakes, the bobber. It's got the bobber water oh, tower. Oh, cute. Yeah, I, I actually know what that looks like. Yep. It makes sense yep. to be a water tower. The corn is fun, though, because it's not shaped like a regular Correct. water tower. Right. It's shaped like corn. Um. I, I'd have to Google because I don't, I don't know any. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Minnesota's iconic water towers. The world's largest iceberg, which is uh, aptly named A two three A, but the first A is large, and it's like I don't know. They name these things weird. It's roughly three times the size of New York City, and it's on the move for the first time in three decades. The huge iceberg is a hundred and. Uh, excuse me, 1,500 square miles. It broke off back in 1986, but has been stalled on the Arctic, Antarctic ice shelf since then. It's expected to now be propelled into the Antarctic circular current. This will guide it towards the southern ocean along a route known as Iceberg Alley. Uh, Adam, would you, if you had the chance, go to Iceberg Alley yes. and like view 
I and two are icebergs. Well, yes. One of my goals in not goals, but bucket list item, which I don't know if I'll ever be able to do, is to cross the Southern Ocean. The Southern Ocean is the most violent ocean in the world. Uh, and and why? That do you want intrigues to me to actually make that crossing and experience that rough of an ocean, which I'd probably regret while I was doing it. Like, why the hell did I want to do this? Correct. But something to uh, there's something about I've read enough books and. It's, I'm fascinated by that, and someday I will cross the Southern Ocean. Or not. So you're asking me <laughs> if I want to go look at an iceberg, iceberg alley? No, I didn't ask me. you. I asked Adam. I, <laughs> I know you don't want to. You're me, you, iceberg alley. What do you I think? mean, I guess if I have a lot of free time and a lot of money, but no, I, I, that, I don't really. I'll look at it online. I don't know that I need to be there in person because it sounds a yeah. little cold. If you're cold? not even going to go like 90 seconds out of your way in Rochester to go see the, to go see the, corn? the historic mm-hmm. corn water tower, yeah, you're not going Probably to see the Probably not doing the iceberg. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Does that make me a bad person? It's very possible that, that it. it does. That's it. Um, yeah. I would like to know who you think should be the person of the year. Time does this every year, as you know. Oftentimes, we do not agree with the person mm-hmm. of the year. But, Adam, I'm going to give you a little quiz. Okay. The nominees are out. I have five people that I will list. One of them is not a finalist. George Santos. For Person of the Year. He might be on the list. Find out who's on the list next. One of these people is not a finalist for Person of the Year from Time. You ready? Yes. I'm going to give you a list of five. Okay. I did not Google this. I did not see this. Four are on the list. Number one, Hollywood Strikers. Hmm, Okay. Number two, Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. Number three, Jerome Powell. Number four, Barbie. Number five. Barbie? Yeah. Yeah, Barbie. Oh, Barbie. Barbie. They said Arby. I'm like, Arby's like the roast nope. beef? I oh. love those curly fries, yes. but no, it's Barbie. Barbie. Um, oh, I've lost count. Uh, Taylor Swift mm-hmm. or Sam Altman? <sighs> Which Hollywood Strikers, not- Elon <clears throat> Musk, Jerome Powell, Barbie, Taylor Swift, and Sam Altman. Okay, Who the- is not on the list? Only one is not on the uh, list. Hollywood Strikers, I know they have done this before where it's a group of people, not yes. necessarily one person. Like the so first responders first one year. Responders, it was the first responders, whistleblowers one year. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think uh, the Hollywood Strikers are on that list. And they're, I mean, this fight against AI, I think, is of paramount, is of, is of top of mind. So I think I'm going to include that. Elon Musk. Oh. Hold on. Okay. We can whittle it down. Uh, Elon, You're correct. The Hollywood strikers are on the list. Elon Musk buys Twitter, turns it into X, and some would argue is destroying the platform. Others say, no, it's all about true freedom of speech now. Elon definitely on the list. What? I did it already. I got the bad one already. I wow. Elon is not on the list because he was already was he ra- person <laughs> was he la- of the Yeah, year. but that's a, I think there's been other people. Have there? Multiple. Oh, I'm sure. Hmm. Uh cor- I'm sorry, Adam. You failed. Elon is no longer on the list because he already was Times Person of the Year. So the question becomes, who should it be? I would argue that Elon could, again, I mean, in recent months, he's made tons of news with, you know, an anti-Semitic tweet and then going to Israel. Mm-hmm. And he's he's all over the news now. 
Um, so I, I would argue with that. But out of these, or if you want a write-in candidate, what, what are you looking at? Well, just uh, there are other finalists that you didn't hmm. mention that oh. I think are, I, I would argue that certainly go. that he would be amongst. Go ahead. Who are the other finalists? Uh, Xi Jinping. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump prosecutors. Oh. Putin. Boy. King Charles III. Oh, yeah, because he became king yeah. this year. That's right. Um, I would argue okay. that Elon Musk definitely is in Should that be category. on the list. Yes. I, I, I agree. Um, because, and again, it's not like the best person, the most beloved. No. Obviously, I mean, if Xi Jinping is on there, you know, there are oftentimes just the person who made the greatest impact. And that could have been a negative impact. Right. So like Hitler was man of the year, was time really? person of the year once or twice. Yep. Oh, boy. So who's your person of the year, Adam? Boy. Um, I mean, the war in Ukraine started. Like three years ago at this point. No. Or is it two years ago? I don't think it's been two years, but it's been over a year. Hmm. So I think it was prior to. Um, February, oh no, hold on. This couldn't be 2024, no, or 2014. Hold on. February 2022. Okay. Really? Yeah, so it's almost going to be To me, that eliminates Putin and or, you know, um, I forget the, Zelensky, thank you. The Ukrainian president. So, and he was last year. Zelensky, uh, Zelensky and the, yeah. the spirit of Ukraine. Elon and probably Mu- deserved Elon that. Elon Musk yeah. was 2021. There you go. Um, I don't know. I. It's just like yeah, anytime I think of somebody, it's like, okay, that's the usual suspects. I mean, you could argue you could argue Donald Trump again, just in the, his footprint in the Republican Party. You could argue uh, Mike Johnson, suddenly mm-hmm. the new Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. Um, but that's pretty niche. Yeah. You know, Elon, like somebody like Elon, who's not on the list, or, or you know, a Barbie. I mean, that craze is something that we haven't seen in a very long time. But how could you possibly deny Taylor Swift with the, yeah, imp- the global yep. impact? And the uh, you're right. I think it is Taylor Swift. I, I think because what it, the global, the financial that's impact right. she's had. That's right. To the cities she's shown up exactly. in. Exactly. And continues to have, you know, the European part of that tour is continuing. Yeah. So and everywhere. Don't roll your eyes at this no, if you're listening. Oh, give me not. a break, Taylor Swift. Absolutely not. And it's not just, uh, you know, restaurants and bars when she comes to town. It's also all of these kids and, and young people, well, whomever, t- Swifties are buying outfits, you know, so they're, 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 they're purchasing things to wear for the concert. They're, um, you know, having events surrounding the concert and look at what it's done for theaters. I went to go see the film mm-hmm. in theaters. So it's like a multimedia almost revolution with the way she has conducted this tour. Yeah. And it's she's merged with the NFL fantastic. for the love of Pete. That's what I mean. It's yes. the, her her reach is so widespread because of the magnitude of her celebrity. So it would be hard to argue that and I know some oh she's just a singer but Again, the impact of her celebrity on multiple, not just platforms and venues and cities, but on like the NFL, like cross genres of fanship. I don't know what that word is. And just her impact on certain segments of the population. Yep. Like I think of my daughters yep. and the impact she has on them. Mm-hmm. Now, is it great, you know, significant 
emotional impact? Yes. Of course. Like these kids, like the, like people who grew up with Beatlemania. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing like that before. Well, this is very yeah. similar to that. And there's really nothing negative about it. No, no. Where it's like, okay, no. you know, you can argue like, oh, you know, it's it's pretty positive message. Yes. And it's one that I think resonates with a yes. lot of young, young women people. and young men. Right. A hundred percent. So um, I might have to argue for T-Swift for, for all the Swifties. Uh, when we get back, another impact that people are feeling, uh, you know, at, when I am not doing this show, you know, my days are spent following the war in Israel um, that Hamas started. And our next guest, Jerry Ribnick, just returned from Israel. He is a local man who, once the war started, said, I need to go and volunteer and see if there's anything I can do. He will be in studio to tell us about his experience in Israel next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. So imagine you're watching the news, you see war break out, horrific atrocities, innocent civilians being murdered, raped, tortured, and you say to yourself, I am going to go there and help. Wow. I don't know that I would have done the same thing, but our next guest in studio did exactly that. Jerry Ribnick from St. Louis Park is joining us now in studio. He had just got back from a trip to Israel, which he blogged about on his blog, and also just went to volunteer his time, his energy, and his assistance. Jerry, so glad to have you in the studio today. Thank you, Jordana. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about that. Why did you decide... This is a war zone. The worst atrocity since the Holocaust just happened here. I'm going to go. So, and I, and I hope I'm coherent because I'm <laughs> kind of jet lagged here. I get that. But um, my wife and I both got tired of just watching the news, reading the, the, the news, seeing things on TV that were just heart wrenching and on both sides. And we just said, we've got the time. We're privileged that we have the ability to go there. And so we did, and we went there, and we just wanted to help do whatever we could to fill in for the people that are at war or the people that are no longer allowed in the country to help. So that's what we did. That, that's – I think a lot of people have that thought and to have the ability to do that. But then once you get there, I, I would imagine that it could be overwhelming. It's like who, who do I talk to about what to do? I'd imagine there's so many things you could do to help. I get, once you get there – I, I, was that planned out for you? How, how did you find the best way for you and your wife to do the help you wanted to do? So I will say that was probably what gave me the most stress in advance of the trip, not going to a war zone, not going to Israel. We've been to Israel many times before. We've got some language skills, so our Hebrew is passable. Most people in Israel, their English is better than my passable Hebrew. But um, – I started before making a lot of contacts with anybody I knew, friends in Israel, people here in the States that had contacts, to see if we could find places where we would be able to volunteer. And what happened is we were just flooded with opportunities to volunteer. And, and that became stressful because we didn't know where we would be staying. We didn't know exactly what we were going to do or where we would do it. Mm -hmm. And that 
in itself became difficult. Once we got there, it all just fell together. And people were so appreciative. I can't tell you what really was the one of the highlights for us of the trip was how many people came up and thanked us for showing support, for coming, for risking whatever it was that we were risking and coming to Israel to be there. It was amazing. It was really just heartwarming. One of our goals was to actually spend some money there to help the economy because it's so impacted from the war. And we would go and merchants would say, no, I won't take your money. Here's a gift from us. Wow. That's how much they, yeah. So what incredible. did you do there? What kind of volunteering? So we did a couple things. We, we did agricultural work, um, more agricultural work than I've ever done in my life. Uh, we took like we, farming. Farming. We mm-hmm. actually, I didn't know this, but strawberry plants have to be pruned mm. so that the wow. shoots don't take too much of the energy, and the energy can go into the fruit. I guess we cleaned onions. That was fun. We um, packed food for people that were either displaced. You know what people don't know is there's 250,000 approximately people in Israel that have moved from the war zones, either from the south by Gaza or from the north where Hezbollah is sending missiles every day. Mm -hmm. So they packed up with no warning. They didn't bring their food. They didn't bring their medicine. They didn't bring their computers. They have nothing. And so we went to a pantry that packed Mm -hmm. food for them. We also um, worked in a factory down in Ashkelon, which is right on the border with Gaza. Um, It was a modern... Like anything you would see here in America, you can imagine, you know, laser cutting and everything. They made doors and windows, and we just did some manual labor there. Hmm. Tell us about who you knew there. Were you impacted, and did you know, do you know, anybody who's been taken hostage? So I'll answer the first part first and then the second part. We we have a number of friends that live in Israel. We stayed, uh, when we first got there, we stayed with some very close friends of ours that we've known for many, many years. Um, they have two sons that are both called up in the military. One spent uh, 21 days in Gaza, and the parents couldn't communicate with him at all. They had no idea if he was alive or not, um, where he was, what he was doing. We were privileged to be there when he surprised them and came home for, for Shabbat, which is the Jewish Sabbath, starts Friday night and Saturday night. Uh, he got about a 36-hour leave, and he came home. I can't described to you how happy the parents were and the family was when he arrived. And I can't tell you how torn it was seeing him leave Sunday night to go back. Um, I I was in tears. I didn't want him to see me because I'm not, I'm there to support him, not him to support Mm -hmm. me. But it it was, it was really just gut wrenching. Mm -hmm. Um, We also spent some time in Jerusalem with some good friends of ours who are coordinating the uh, the effort to keep um, Hirsch Goldberg Poland's name in the news? He's a hostage that was in at the at the Nova Festival, the the concert. He was in a shelter with a twenty plus other people, and Hamas terrorists were throwing grenades in there. Mm-hmm. He was throwing them back out before they could explode lost his arm and was really a hero in saving many people, but he ended up being a hostage and the family has heard nothing and the Red Cross has not visited them. That was part of, by the way, that was part of the truce deal is that the Red Cross was supposed to be able to visit the hostages and Hamas just said no. Mm -hmm. We're talking to Jerry Ribnick. Uh, He and along with his wife went to Israel on a volunteer mission. 
I was going to ask you about that, about the people you know who had family members, who have family members, who are hostages, and this pause happens, and we have some hostages being released, and I cannot imagine, A, the elation of the family members whose loved ones are released, but just the the pain and the anguish of those who don't have that information, and then, you know, hostages are released, and, and they realize their loved one isn't among them. I... I did you see some of that and were able to experience what those family members were experiencing? My sense is that the country is really torn. They want every hostage released right now. There's no excuse for them being hostages, and they should be released. At the same time, they know that pausing the war really only benefits Hamas. And so they're torn. I was with uh, one of the other things we did when we were there is we, we served at a barbecue for the troops right on the border of Gaza. And I was talking to someone and his friend said, well, did you tell him your situation? No. And so he started talking to me. He had th- three families me- members released within the last day and a half. Wow. And yet he was saying, I don't know if this is a good idea. In other words, giving the pause, which allows Hamas to rearm, he himself wasn't sure even though he had three family members released. Because they understand that Hamas needs to be gone. They need, Israel needs to do whatever it can to remove Hamas from power. Israel will never be the same if Hamas is still there. And I think actually the citizens of Gaza need Hamas to be gone. I mean, yeah. y- yes, what, they what do. people... Yes. What people don't realize is that when, the, when Israel was warning civilians to get out of the way, they dropped leaflets. They made text messages to people. They opened corridors. And Hamas was shooting the people that were trying to escape because they value them as human shields. They value them as, as potential martyrs so that people can see how many casualties are mm-hmm. you know, being uh, inflicted on, on uh, citizens of Gaza. It's, it's just a horrible situation. Can I ask you about that, Jerry? Because we, I think we have a lot of listeners and we get texts from people who certainly by no means are supporting Hamas or think that somehow they were justified in what they did. That violence that they committed on October 7th, grotesque, disgusting, but at the same time, I think they feel for the people that you just mentioned who are in Gaza and are no, have no part of that they don't want to see them die either. And you said when you went over there, too, you feel that for both sides uh, of that conflict. And people in Israel, I think, I don't think we hear enough about people in Israel who also feel sympathetic to those folks. Again, separating completely uh, from Hamas. Yeah, and I think that's very true. The, the people in Israel didn't want this war. No. You know, th- there was a ceasefire on October 6th. Israel didn't violate it. Hamas did. And... The people of Israel were, were – there was something they, – they call it their conceptia, their conception. The idea was that if they supplied electricity, if they supplied water, if they supplied jobs to the people of Gaza, that we could build a relationship with those people and ultimately live in peace. But what happened is Hamas violated that. They said, no, we don't want to live in peace. We want from the river to the sea. We want everybody to be gone. And the people in Israel – are really hurting because they were trying to establish these bridges to the Palestinian people, and now that's shattered. Jerry Ribnick, uh, we're talking to from St. Louis Park, just back from a humanitarian volunteer trip to Israel. Jerry, I have a, a, a few more questions. Jerry um, and his wife got to witness that 
horrific 43-minute video that has been released from Hamas's GoPros when they were committing the atrocities. I will ask him about that next. 1049, uh, that is your Linda's Construction time check. Time to invest in Infinity for Marvin Windows. Receive 75% off installation labor. I know I'm Joining us in studio is Jerry Ribnick, St. Louis Park man who, uh, with his wife, went over to Israel to volunteer uh, during this war just to see if they could help out. Jerry, thanks for hanging with us through the break. No problem. I know you bared witness. You got to see this 47-minute video that was shot by Hamas terrorists that has now been shown to many Congress people, lots of world leaders. Also, Elon Musk was there last week. He responded, of course, to this horrific video. Um, you got to see it. So can you share with us what was on the video? You know, I, I don't even know if I can really share with you because I think your listeners might be sickened. Um, I was. Uh, after 47 minutes of watching this video, I just needed time to center myself because it's horrific. It's things that you can't imagine other human beings would do to people. I mean, it's beheading of people while they're alive. It's shooting, you know, parents in front of their children or children in front of their parents. It's mutilation of bodies. It's burning people. It, it, I, I don't know if I should be saying this on the air because I, I think you're going to lose viewers or listeners. It, it just is horrific. And what was galling is two things. One is the, the glee and the excitement, the self-satisfaction that the terrorists had in doing this, which was so appalling. And the, the second thing was the fact that they say they want to do this again. This is not a one-time thing. This was not by accident that they raped people and that they beheaded people. This was part of a concerted plan, and it, it was just unbelievably painful. Well, I'm sorry that, I'm sorry that you had to watch that, and I, I, I don't know that I could watch it. So thank you for sharing, and um, I'm sorry that it even exists. Well, and my wife didn't watch it. I mean, it yeah. was just too horrific. Right. Elon Musk had a very similar response to you. He said the jubilation at which these terrorists committed these horrific acts against fellow human beings and how proud they were of themselves and how excited they were to murder Jews was w- one of the, his great takeaways from this because it was we, – we in the West, we um, can't imagine – being happy at somebody's murder or being happy at somebody's rape. And that is what we're fighting. That is what the West is fighting. And not just Jewish people. Israel is in the fight right now. But I think in the West, we have to understand it's a completely different mentality uh, that we want that Israel is doing the hard work of eliminating. You know, even, excuse me, even the Nazis were embarrassed, or at least didn't want to publicize what they were doing. And they kept it kind of quiet. These people had GoPros, they had video cameras, they had cell phones recording it and wanted to show it to the world until they saw the back, backlash that the world had. Mm-hmm. And then they've kind of kind of silenced that. But they thought this was going to be a great day for humanity. And in fact, it's, it's just unadulterated evil. So forgive me, Jerry, because I don't know if you can answer this, but I mean with that kind of evil in the world and even if – uh, Israel eliminates Hamas. I don't foresee that mindset disappearing anytime soon. How how do we get to a place where it does disappear? And again, obviously, that's a question that if you know the answer to that, 
I, I don't know the answer, but I know the feeling that I heard from people in Israel was that's what was so sickeningly sad, that Israel, with, with plenty of mistakes, and, and we read about all the mistakes Israel makes <laughs> you know, every day, but with all the mistakes, they thought that they were trying to reach out and build a, a bridge to the Palestinians so that someday a two-state solution would be possible. And this was just a wake-up call that there's people out there that would rather kill, would rather kill their own people than live side-by-side with Jews. It's very painful. Jerry, you were there for about 10 days. Um, You just got back. Is there anything we didn't ask you, anything else you want to share with our listeners? I think just that the mood of the country is, is anguish and determination. Anguish that this could have ever happened, that their security system, their army, their government could have allowed this to happen. Yeah, those are serious, serious, uh, serious security failures. questions about mm-hmm. oh, absolutely what happened. Serious failures. And uh, just like we went, you know, after 9-11, we had a commission of inquiry or Israel did in mm-hmm. 73 after the Yom Kippur War. There will be a commission of inquiry and there's no doubt in my mind heads will roll. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's tremendous anguish over this unnecessary killing on both sides. Uh, remember, Golda Meir once had a quote, we can forgive you for killing our sons, but we'll never forgive you for making us kill yours. Mm-hmm. People don't want to be doing this in Israel. No. Um, on the other hand, there's a determination. There is a spirit in Israel that I've never seen in this country or anywhere else where people, I was working alongside in the factory with a PhD in microbiology who was volunteering his time because he didn't have students to teach and came down. On the farms, everybody is there. It's just incredible. When when someone, one of these displaced families needs a stroller, all of a sudden there's 25 strollers that show up at their door or they need laundry done or they need whatever. It just happens because the people of Israel are united in saying we need to get the hostages home and we need to get rid of Hamas so that we and the Gazans can have a much better future. The people that you talk to, especially the ones who have family members who are still held hostage, how closely do you remain in contact with them? So I just got home, mm-hmm. you know, a yeah. night or so ago. <laughs> um, still a little jet lag, but I actually been what's they use WhatsApp there much more yes. than text messages, <laughs> and my WhatsApp is still dinging every mm-hmm. couple minutes. Um, I'm still in constant contact with them. I, I wish I could do more. They just so appreciated the support, the fact that we picked up and left and came to. Just do manual labor, which I probably would never do here. Um, I can't tell you how how wonderful that made me feel and my wife both just so appreciate it. Well, Jerry, it is inspiring. Thank you for going. I think you embodied what so many of us, me as an American Jew, feel like we wish we could help more. We feel helpless. Uh, Thank you for actually doing it. And uh, we appreciate your time here today. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. You got it. Jerry um, Ribnick, Ribnick. Uh, in uh, for the last half hour, and uh, that podcast will be up soon wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget, subscribe to the Adam and Jordana podcast. We'll take a break. CBS News coming up, and then some alarming news about how many crimes are actually solved in the United States. I want to react to that. Uh, it's not good, and it doesn't give you faith. Uh, if, God forbid, you have a crime committed against you, whether or not the person who committed that crime would ever be uh, brought to justice. That's coming up next. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.